we've talked about this up here before about how he was established and how he was content in this area of Ur. And what had happened was God had told him, he said, hey, I want you to leave your home place and follow me into the promised land. So Abraham had to learn obedience in that moment and learn to forget about contentment, leave your home and follow me. And then we look into Genesis 13 and we see how he was uh, learning how to settle arguments when the separation of Lot and Abraham, how their kingsmen were fighting and they couldn't come to an agreement. So what they did was they just ended up separating and how they, there, was, there was some tension there a little bit and they had separated and learned how to deal with conflict. We go on to Genesis 14 and he had to learn about forgiveness when Abraham putting his differences aside and he ends up rescuing Lot. So it was, it was a cool thing to see that he had to learn to forgive them no matter their differences in the past and come and rescue him. And then we go farther in into Genesis 15 and we had to learn about patience. And we learned about how God, uh, Abraham was kind of upset that he hadn't had any offspring that could take his place whenever he had passed away. And he kind of tried to speed up the process. And remember, he, he, he went with the woman and he, and he had another son outside of his wife, Sarah. And it was just, it was a bad deal. And he had to learn patience through that. And he even learned that disobedience towards God really wasn't the best option. But then in Genesis 21, he learned faith. He learned faith that Abraham and Sarah would bear a child. I remember when reading this, it, it talks about how Abraham, God had come to Abraham and promised him a child. And the first thing Abraham's like is, at our old age, we would bear a son. You know, he had to have faith that this was going to happen. So Abraham has gone through so many different things already leading up to this particular point. So what I wrote down here is Abraham had growth that he had to do before he could ever become, have a son under him. You know, when we talk about a lot of times how God's plan always works in perfect timing. You know, maybe there was a reason why God did not give Abraham a son earlier than what he did. Because Abraham had some lessons and some trials and different things that he had to go through before he could actually be fathered to a son. It says in uh, scripture that we talk about God's timing. It says that God knew that in order for Abraham's offspring to be big and blessed. Remember, he promised him that, that his offspring would be big and blessed. Before he did that, he must learn and then pass down the teachings that he had received from God. See, what had happened is God wanted to give Abraham all of this knowledge, all of this life experience, all of this this. this great stuff that he could pass down from his son and his son could pass it down for his son and on and on and on and on and ultimately carrying this faith that God wanted Abraham to have and passing that on through generations and generations. See, it's funny, I wrote down here, it's it's kind of this cycle of learning going on here. See, imagine if people before us Imagine if people before us or over us had to learn, did not have to learn anything before being put in the positions that they are. You know, it's very rare most times that people get put in a position of authority without any kind of uh, experience before that. Most of the time they have to, uh, you know, be in the position of the job, work there for several years, and then they can be put into a position of the boss or manager, or things like that. Because a lot of times, if you have a boss or a manager that has prior experience of working in this field, then they become that much greater of a boss. 
because they know the ins and outs of the business. They know how their employees feel. And think about this as in the way of a father. I wrote down in here, you know, teachers couldn't teach, bosses couldn't lead efficiently, and once they passed down the knowledge, that would never be passed on. See, if I was going to school and I never learned how to be a teacher and you threw me into a classroom, let's pretend I'm a real teacher again. Remember, we have to do that sometimes. If I was a real teacher and had to learn these different things of how to teach certain subjects, then I would have to learn that before I would go into the classroom. It's just like in many jobs today. You go to college, you learn the skill, then you go and apply the skill. So my question is, is how did you learn to do everyday things as a child? As a child, how did you learn how to talk? How did you learn how to walk? As you got older, how did you learn how to play basketball, play baseball, play softball, play an instrument? How did you learn how to drive? How did you learn how to fix things? How did you learn how to treat other people? From your fathers, right? From your parents. See, what happens is is your parents have so much life experience that you don't have. A lot of times as children, we like to look at our parents and think, you're wrong, but really they're most of the time right because they have experienced these things. See, we would not, as children, we would not be where we are today if it wasn't for a parent or somebody, guardianship, whatever, if somebody would not have taken us under their wing and taught us these different things, then we could never be the operating human beings that we are today. But see, all of these are the form learning that he did as a child. Abraham had to do all this stuff. He had to learn how to have obedience. He had to learn how to have faith. He had to learn how to have forgiveness. He had to learn how to settle arguments. He had to learn all of this stuff from God in order to pass this down to his son, Isaac. See, that's the cool thing about it is Abraham was learning. He was learning before he even became a father. And the thing is, that's cool about it is, you as fathers today, you guys have to learn. See, fathers can't teach their children anything unless they have learned the trait that they're wanting to teach. And I'm not even talking about learning from their fathers or their father's fathers. I'm talking about the same exact thing. Abraham is no more special than what you fathers are out there today. See, you guys have to learn things from God as well. God has taken you through different trials, different persecutions, different highs, different lows, different life experiences in order to pass it down from from your children so they can pass it down to their children. It's a cool cycle of learning. You know, we tell people all the time, the reason why a lot of people go through things that they go through is not in order to just build them up and have them to keep that to themselves. But what happens is, is if you go through the death of a loved one, then you can help console somebody that's, gone through, that's going through a death of a loved one. It's how, this, it's how we operate. It's how God has planned all this. It's us helping each other with learning experiences that we have had. Now, once a father has learned, and a father never stops learning, but once a father has learned, then we go to our next point about demonstrating as a father. Demonstrating as a father. And this is where we're going to really jump into the passage that we read here. But I wrote down here, it says, God so many times in our life has us go through different things to, show, to grow us in maturity, knowledge, and faith. And we must not see us as the only ones benefiting from that. Abraham went through so many of these different things in order to show a godly example for Isaac. And now he gets this opportunity, not that he had shown, hadn't shown any, 
a godly example before this, but now we get to this story here of Abraham getting to show his son Isaac what the most important thing in his life is. And I believe it changes Isaac for the rest of his life. So let's look again at this story a little bit more in depth. If you go to the very first verse, it says, after these things, God tested Abraham. See, everything that God and Abraham had been through, God wanted to test the genuineness of Abraham to God. He wanted to see, okay, Abraham, are you really all about me? We've gone through all of these things together. Now, I want to see if you're really the real deal. I want to see if you're really all in on this relationship that you and I are having. See, God was trying to see how obedient Abraham could be. So then he goes on and he says, I want you to offer your son, your only son, as a burnt offering. See, I don't think there's any... I don't think the Bible ever has any accidents in here or everything I feel like in the scripture is in there for a purpose. Amen? Everything in here is for a purpose. So when he says, take your son, he could have easily said, take your son whom you love. No, 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 no. He said, take your son, your only son. So he understands that this is not just sacrificing one of your sons. This is sacrificing your only son, the son that you have waited on your entire life that I have promised you that was such a gift from God. I'm asking you to give that up. And, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking your only son, Isaac. Now, giving up a son would not be easy. Never would be easy. You know, dad has four sons, I don't know if giving up one of them would be any easier than giving up me. Maybe. I don't know. I think I'm the favorite, but I could be wrong. But imagine if there was only one of us, one, one son, you give that up. That's all you have, your most prized possession. He's asking him, give that up. See, I'm not a father I'm not a father, but I can imagine that this would be the hardest thing a father could do. The hardest thing. It's funny, I was talking to Misty this week about our songs, and I was telling her kind of what the sermon was about, and she, she said, I told her, and she just kind of, just, she just goes, oh, I could never, I could never. Could you imagine that? Giving up your son. But see, this is where we see Abraham setting an example. See, we'll get to that here in a second. But then you go farther on and it said, so Abraham rose early in the morning. So Abraham rose early in the morning. Now, what does that mean, Josh? Well, this implies that Abraham responds to the challenge promptly with no hesitation. Now, do you think that there was a little bit of hurt inside of Abraham during this? Yes, I believe that Abraham, this was the last thing that Abraham wanted to do. But he was so in tune with his relationship with God that he said, I'm doing it. First thing in the morning, we're going. That's what God wants. That's what I'm gonna do. And he went. See, the dedication, maturity, and faith that this man was showing was beyond anything that I think any of us could ever imagine. He was so Man, he was just so right with God that he did not hesitate. He did 
not wait. He said, okay, we're doing this. But then the cool thing is, I like when they're right about to go up the mountain. And what does his son, what does Isaac do? He turns to Abraham and he says, where is the sacrifice? Where is the sacrifice? Where is the lamb? Where is the goat? Where is the bird? Where is this animal that we're going to sacrifice? And Abraham says to his son, the Lord will provide. See, at this point, Isaac is clueless. He is absolutely clueless about what's about to happen. He has no idea because I can imagine that Isaac, the last thing on his mind is that I'm going to go up here and my father is going to sacrifice me. That's probably the last thing on his mind right now. But when Abraham says the Lord will provide, I think Abraham means something different than what Isaac thought he meant. See, there's a different way you can look at this, and it is kind of ironic how this kind of happened. There's a little bit of irony in what Abraham said here. He says, the Lord will provide. So Isaac's like, okay, well, we're going to go up the hill, and there's going to be something up there. All right, yeah, I believe you, Dad. But I think when Abraham says this, he knows that he's supposed to sacrifice his son, but when he's walking up there, he knows, he knows God will provide Even if I have to sacrifice my son, God will provide. See, he knows that when you follow the will of God and you listen to what God has asked you to do, God will provide. See, everybody say that with me this morning. God will provide. Do we understand that this morning? Because I think that's how Abraham truly meant it. In in the way that Isaac thought he meant it, I don't think it holds as much weight as the way Abraham said it. Because he thought God will provide, okay, there's going to be something up there. No, no, no. Abraham meant it in a way that was God will provide regardless of the outcome of what happens up here. If God sends something else, he will provide. If God has me sacrifice my son, God will provide. God will provide. For all things work together for the good for those who love Christ Jesus. For all things work together for the good. So then we get up there. Abraham took the knife and he was about to slaughter his son. And as soon as he had that knife raised and was about to do it, the angel of the Lord stopped him. He stopped him. And this is what he said. Do not lay your hand on your son or do anything to him for I know for I now know that you fear God, see, have withheld your son. Because you have withheld your son, I know that you are truly obedient to God. See, Abraham was going to go through with it. He was going to do it. He had his hand in the air. He was going to do it. And they saw that. And the thing is, let's, let's for a second take the the perception of Isaac in this moment. Just close your eyes and imagine Isaac in this moment. He's laying on the altar, seeing his father with the knife, getting ready to kill him. What is going through his mind? What is going through his mind? Has dad gone mad? But then when this angel of the Lord appears, everything becomes clear to Isaac. Isaac. Everything comes 
clear to Isaac. The view of his father during that moment would teach him more than anything than he could ever learn here on this earth. Imagine that. You're sitting there. Your dad's about to sacrifice you. And then the Lord appears. The angel appears and says, no, 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 don't. We have seen how faithful you are to God. If I'm Isaac, I'm like, God told him to sacrifice me. See, Isaac understood the worth that he had to his father. Isaac understood that because he understood the whole story. I guarantee Abraham told him the story of how God had waited for so long and had promised him for so long that he was going to send him a son. So Abraham, Abraham he, he verbalized that importance of what Isaac was to him. And in that moment, Isaac saw that the thing that meant the most to Abraham on earth was nothing compared to what God meant to him. He spoke truth into Isaac through his actions of going as far to sacrifice his own son for God. He demonstrated as a father, what should be the most important thing in your life? Not your possessions, not your children, not your spouse. God. God. Now see, my question to you is, as fathers out there, is what do your children see you doing? What do your children see you doing? See, children are always imitators of older people in their lives. Example, children at a very young age copy exactly what they hear. You ever, you ever, anybody in here that's ever been around, around young children understand that? Because they're like, oh, well, watch what you say around the little ones because then they'll start saying it. See, they, they, at a very young age, they understand, they see the family, they see the parents, they see older people as people that they should look up to and model. They see that. So the mind of a child is constantly developing. It's constantly developing. And as a parent, as a father, it is you that are supposed to help them develop things that point Towards Christ. It is your job to help them develop their importance in life. Where do they see why God is important in their lives? Where do they first initially see it? They see it in their parents. I love how when I listen to people tell their testimonies, you know what the first thing they say is? The first thing, seriously, listen to this. Anytime anybody ever says their testimony, they say one of two things. They either say, I was raised in a Christian home or I was not raised in a Christian home. They always say that because that is the initial start of the relationship that they have with God, whether they grew up in a Christian home or not. And from there, the story can falter. 
They were raised in a Christian home, but yet I went this way. I was raised in a Christian home, and therefore, I sought God at a young age. See, it's very important. It's very important that we are, under, that we are showing through our actions and showing through our words that God is the most important thing in our lives, so then our children will imitate that. But my question to you today, if I pulled your children aside, if I pulled your children aside and I asked them, what is the most important thing to your dad? What would they say? If I asked you, what is the most important thing to your dad, what would they say? His job? His kids? His toys? What would they say? What would they say? The most important thing to my dad is Christ. Most important thing to my dad is God. Setting the foundation. See, based on the life that Abraham had lived and the example that he showed his son, Isaac grew up to continue the covenant that God had placed upon that family's lives. If you look back in Genesis, it talks about how God came to Abraham and he promised these things. He promised him several offspring. He promised him a blessed family. See, Isaac isn't a character in the Bible that stands out to many of us, but he did exactly what God had commanded him to do. In Genesis 26, God comes to Isaac in the same way that he came to Abraham and told him he made a covenant with him and said, we, you are going to be the father of many. You are going to carry on the same covenant that I made with your father. And Isaac did. See, Isaac was obedient to God and carrying forth the will that God had for his offspring and his heritage. And if we know anything about the heritage of Abraham, if you go back, who was in that line of family? It was Christ. It was that same lineage of family. See, Abraham's faith being recognized by Isaac started to mold the life that Isaac was going to live for God. Later on in Genesis, Abraham dies and gives all that he has to Isaac. In this moment, he trusts that he has shown Isaac the way of the Lord and that he can carry forth the promise that God had had for him. That relationship was developed. So once again, in the faith of Abraham, in God, it is demonstrated right there. God, I have faith in you that Isaac is the one that will carry on this covenant that you have placed with me. So I give everything to him. Faith demonstrated. So when your children are observing you, they see your relationship with God. They see it. Children come to church. Children come to church because their parents bring them to church. Children pray because they see their parents praying. Children know the Bible initially because parents read them Bible stories. And children know God's love because they see it exhibited in their parents. It's the very initial start of the relationship with God is what they see. Their view of God from the very beginning is how you view him. If God isn't important in your lives, then as children, God is not going to be important in their lives. 
Now, God comes to them and builds a personal relationship. I want to make sure I'm clear today that you cannot save your children. Your salvation with the Lord does not save your children. But your salvation could lead your children, be a huge building block for your children by setting an example. See, 1 Peter 5, 2, 3 says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willing as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not demeaning over those in your charge, but being examples to your flock. Being examples to your flock. See, that's a perfect verse right there, talking about leaders, talking about leaders and how fathers are leaders in the home, the spiritual leaders. So you can demonstrate to your flock how you are to act, how you are to pray, how you are to study, how you are to love. See, us as men are called to be spiritual leaders of our household under the importance of you have as a spiritual rock in your family. You can read that in 1 Timothy 3. But Proverbs 22, 6, going back to our call to worship, says, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. See, I'm telling you right now, and we're gonna go into closing here, but I wanna tell you right now that if you are a parent that is struggling with a child that has not really came to the saving knowledge of God, and you sit there and you say, Josh, I prayed for this children. I brought them to church. I, I, I would read Bible stories to them. I poured God into my children and they have not yet responded. Be patient. Because it says right here in that call to worship passage, it says, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. You are not doing any. You, you, I know you may think you're not doing anything or you haven't done anything because they have gone another, another way, but you have instilled in them the gospel. And it goes right back to what I said a while ago. You can't save your children, but you can minister to them. And when you minister to them, that gospel is instilled in here, and then all you can do is wait until God meets them. When they come to that place where God and them have met, then that is when salvation comes. It's nothing that we can do to bring people to salvation besides give them the gospel. We can't save people. But we can pray and we can tell them and we can show them the one who does save people. And that is God. So in closing, I got a couple questions for you. The first question is, what has God taught you in your life that you can use to help your children grow in their walk with God? Going back to where Abraham learned all these different things, how can you or what have you experienced that you can use to show your children how God has operated in your life? All of us have been taught something, and we can vocalize or demonstrate growth in God during that time. Second question How are you demonstrating your relationship with God in front of your children? Children grow up looking to you as the leader of the household. Everything you do or say either leads them to God or leads them away from God. Everything you do and say is either pointing them to God or pointing them away to God. And that goes for all of us. They see how you treat your spouse. They see how you treat them. They see how you speak. 
They see how you treat others. What you find your joy in, they, they see that. They see what makes you angry. They see how often you read your Bible, and they see how much you pray. And my question is, is how is the foundation of your kids? See, salvation is not something that we can give to our children, but it is something that we can always give them an opportunity to accept. Ministering to your kids is the greatest mission field that you can have as a father. I was talking to, I forget who it was, I was talking to somebody during Bible school this week, and they said they were driving in their van, and all of a sudden one of their kids in the back just said, hey, I want to be baptized. And I told that, I, told, I, think, it was, I think it was a mom, I told that mom, I said, man, what, a, what an awesome thing to hear as a parent. What, is it, what an awesome thing to hear as a parent. My child wants to get baptized. God's working in their life. God is working in their life. But ministering to your kids isn't always easy because sometimes they will accept the gospel right away and sometimes they won't. But that should never steer us away from trying. Showing the love of Christ to your children may be the only love of Christ that they ever receive in their life. May they be the only love that they ever see of Christ in their life. Speak truth into them. Show them your love for God. And the cool thing is, is do you notice the pattern here? Do you notice the pattern? See, God teaches the fathers. The fathers learn from God. The father teaches the children. The children learn from the fathers. Then they become fathers and they learn from God. And then they do the same thing all over again. See, that's the cool thing about it is establishing that relationship, allowing God to enter into your life as a father from the very beginning is key. So the final challenge to you as fathers, make Christ the most important thing in your household. If we look to the example set to us in Scripture by Abraham, we can see that he put God at the forefront of his life even to the point of sacrificing his most prized possession, his son. See, he understood that God was going to provide no matter the means of getting there. The importance of a father is great in the developing a relationship between God and his children. And this may step on some toes, but I've got to say it. Today we have dads that are putting more importance on sports, more importance on school, more importance on future careers, more importance on relationships, more, more importance on skills, and more importance on worldly things that aren't going to amount to anything. Ask God to transform your thinking today so that you can be a godly example to your children. And that you can be the spiritual leader that God has called you to be in your household. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you right now. Lord, we thank you so much for this day that you've blessed us with. Lord, I thank you so much for your truth. I thank you so much for examples that you give us in Scripture to, to look at men and women just like us that are sitting in here today, we can look at these people and see they are just like us. 
and look at the great things that they accomplished. Lord, I pray today that we, we as, 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 as fathers, future fathers, grandfathers, whatever we have in here today, Father, Lord, I pray that we never underestimate the influence that we have on our children. Lord, I pray that the fathers in here today, that they don't leave here feeling like they have such this huge task, this huge burden placed upon them, Father. But Lord, I pray that they leave here today understanding the task before them and understanding that it is not a task that they have to tackle on their own, but it is a task that you want to help them with and that you want to walk with them when. Lord, it is a a job, but it is a blessing. It is a way of life. And Lord, to, to pray for these fathers here today, Lord, I pray that they first seek you above all else. And Father, that is the simple way to become the father that you have called them to be, is to seek first your kingdom and not their own. Lord, I pray today that we as future fathers and fathers and grandfathers, Lord, that we can see the example set here by Abraham, that we would be willing to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to glorify you, and that doing that, our children, our children's children, our children's children's children can see the way that we walked, see the way that we talked, and point back to us and say, that was a man that loved God. God, is, his fingerprint is all over that man. And that he put God first. Because he put God first, I want to put God first in my life. And I want to have that joy. I want to have that relationship that he has with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we thank you and we love you. In every name we pray. Amen.